Hello? Okay, I think I think we're ready. <laughs> Welcome back to anybody who was so generous to listen last week. And greetings to all newcomers. Welcome to the land of Intimacies by Daria, where we talk about longing and empty spaces, particularly the empty spaces inside me, because there are many. So I realized last week I did not provide much information about me at all and retained an aura of mystery that actually I do hope to conserve throughout these episodes, (laughs) but I also think it's important to share some fun fast facts about me. My name is Daria, I am 20 years old, I am currently living in New York City, studying English literature and film studies with a creative writing concentration at Barnard College. I've always been wrapped up in the idea of finding that one person who fills all these empty spaces inside me. And right now it's not it's not looking too hot out there, I will say. But we're resilient and we're hopeful, and so the journey moves forward. I started this show because I'm currently trying to move forward and attempting to let go of a relationship that has been likely the most important thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> and one that I am deeply struggling to let go of. And maybe the only way to really let go is to let go publicly in podcast land. So <laughs> that's part of why we're making this podcast too. I am indeed currently a repugnant heterosexual. And perhaps there are better sites in my future. I will say I've tried to step out of this dungeon, but right now I seem to have some unfortunate, unresolved karmic business with men that keeps my insides all wrapped up in them. I did not grow up in the United States. I grew up moving around a little bit. I'm originally from Almaty, Kazakhstan, which is a large country in Central Asia that, if I'm being completely honest, I don't know as much about as I feel that I should because I moved around. I mean, I moved away at a young age when I was eight years old and immigrated to the United Kingdom, to London town, where I assimilated into the perfect British girl. And then I stayed there for around five years and then left to go to boarding school in Massachusetts. And while I was there, my family actually moved again. And I feel incredibly lucky to have moved around a bit and experienced a lot of different places and, you know, cultures and people and ways of seeing things. But sometimes it does also leave me in a bit of an identity crisis. And perhaps, well, a lot of my daily life is just a big identity crisis. Or many, maybe many small identity crises. I have just returned to New York, actually, after being away abroad at home with my family for a couple of weeks. And while I was there, my sisters and I watched this film called Turning Red, which is an animated movie about this young Chinese-Canadian girl who is embarking upon puberty, but is also (laughs) burdened with a matrilineal curse in her family where whenever she experiences an intense emotion and can't control it she turns into a giant red panda 
and has to soothe herself and calm down in order to change back into her regular girl form. In the movie, we follow May and her group of friends, and they're all just so obsessed with this one particular boy band and have these niche interests and, you know, stalk the guy who works at some, I don't know, some hardware store because of how handsome they think he is. And there's this one scene where May is under her bed drawing and she starts drawing the guy at the hardware store who works there. And she realizes that she does actually find him so, so attractive. And as she's drawing, she's getting more swept up into it and there's this intensity conveyed that I really appreciated because it almost felt like a I don't know like (laughs) this expression of I guess the way I describe it would be emotional masturbation it just felt like such a private moment of intense pleasure and transcendence that even looking on screen it, it made me feel like I was watching something forbidden and You know, when I think about my own experiences with pleasure growing up, one can talk about discovering pornography for the first time or, like, you know, learning about, like, the bidet or the shower head. (laughs) Becoming one with your womanly body. But the ones, the experiences that stick out to me most are those that align with what I saw in the film of, like, this almost more emotional form of masturbation and I remember what I would do a lot and actually probably still do sometimes if I'm being really honest I would lock myself in the bathroom and turn down the lights set the mood of course put my headphones on and often play some kind of love song with a like climatic chorus and when the chorus would hit I would start to like make out with my own hand as though it was a living, delicious young man in front of me. But no, alas, it was it was only my hand. And I would probably spend 20 to 30 minutes, if maybe sometimes even an hour, in the bathroom just kissing, French kissing, my own hand. And I find it so crazy because nothing really physically pleasurable was happening and yet my own imagination was able to carry me so far that I would genuinely feel like I just spent the last 30 minutes making out with a fabulous young man instead of my hand. Yeah, and I think it's actually one of the reasons why tongue sometimes still perplexes me sometimes while French kissing. It just feels like this Alaskan bullworm coming at you and You know, like, sometimes you get along fine with it, and sometimes it's like, whoa, why is it in my mouth? Ooh, how should I touch it? Yeah, and so the film, it's called Turning Red, and it's directed by Domi Shi. And my sisters and I, we watched some of the behind the scenes of making the film and learned that the entire leadership is actually, they they were women. And I think that's so incredible first of all because you rarely see that and secondly because it makes so much sense the film was so fabulously hilarious I feel like a lot of the women that I know have this magical skill of making really ordinary things into something brilliantly extraordinary and I see that a lot particularly in romantic relationships and 
myself included, I feel like my crushes have always been so important to me. Seeing these things represented on screen in such a thoughtful, touching, and hilarious way, I think deteriorated so much of the shame that these experiences have been kind of like framed with. You know, I think as a young girl growing up, you never really want to receive the title of being boy crazy or intense or too much. I know that was one of my fears and actually still is definitely something I'm very conscious about is like, am I too much? Am I too intense? Am I really strange and weird for my niche interests? Am I an idiot for being so infatuated with love and crushes and relationships? Like, are there many more meaningful, important things that I should be thinking about? And on one hand, sure, (laughs) there always are. But then at the same time, I'm not sure who set up this hierarchy of knowledge and interests where I think depictions of pleasure and fantasy and obsession in the media are so fascinating because at the end of the day, like, that is so much of our own internal spaces. You know, we're living through life and going through these really mundane routines every day, doing so many things that we don't really want to be doing. And the way that a lot of us get through that is through fantasy, through daydreaming, and finding these niche things to obsess over and to find pleasure in. And people's love lives seem to be, like, <laughs> seem to make up a lot of that. And I know that that's so much the case for me it's when I for example I'm done with classes and I'm taking the subway home I check my phone and there's always this part of me hoping that you know I'll look at the lock screen and there's going to be a message from someone intriguing who almost like I guess brightens my day because of the like delight and surprise that I feel from I guess being reminded of the hope of things and being lured into my next fantasy of like oh okay who's this and why are they saying this to me and are we going to get dinner and where will that go next and building this entire world in your own head and you know listening to music on the subway and just being so wrapped up in fantasy you don't even feel like you're you're there anymore last episode i talked about a therapy session that i had Within that therapy session, I had discussed my relationship and how, like, it's just feels so impossible for me to move forward and that it still shocks me how I could be experiencing so much physical pain in the process, even though it's been so drawn out and it feels like I've reached the same conclusion over and over again over the span of a really long time now, and yet... It almost feels like I'm experiencing a breakup for the very first time yet again. And so at one point I started talking about the dates that I've been trying to go on and how, you know, it feels like they're going well at first and yet then suddenly I'm almost met with this cement wall that I can't get around. And that just like redirects me back to thinking about and obsessing and like longing after after my former lover. And what she told me is that it seems like I have been trying to replace him 
and that I I'm basically playing at a game of trying to force a square into a circle and that of course it's not going to fit because no one is going to nobody's going to replace him particularly well I'm still like grieving him makes it sound like he's dead <laughs> not dead just I guess not around to love by me perhaps by some other lucky lucky girl and you know when she told me this I thought well yeah <laughs> of course I'm trying to replace him I need to like <laughs> that's what I've been trying to do and you're telling me that it's just not gonna work oh gosh this is bad terrible news for me and so it does seem like what is most appropriate for me right now is to just not date at all and focus on myself and learn how to be alone Ugh. and I actually I loathe that statement that everybody always throws around of like you're not you are not going to find anybody until you learn how to love yourself and the thing is I do know how to love myself. Like, I spend so much time alone. I don't know, I guess in some ways, if anything, I'm, I feel like I've cemented myself into this strange social recluse at times because of how much I get off on spending time alone. Like, I love being in my room, and I love just wasting time, and I love being on TikTok and filming TikTok dances. I love going on walks throughout the city i love going to places i've never been i I love eating alone at restaurants and i love going to the movies by myself and being alone and allowing yourself to just daydream with no interruption and experience things in this more like visceral raw way and not have to like sacrifice your wants for somebody else and making yourself laugh and talking to yourself out loud. I talk to myself out loud so much that's likely why I was like, might as well turn it into a podcast. And so when people tell me this, I just think, no, you don't get it. You don't understand the situation. Because I love being alone. You know, I've even been told that I'm a difficult person to dance with at times because of, like, how much I like to dance alone. And that's the thing I do, which is I love entering my mind while dancing and thinking I am not at this party I am on a stage and I am the next Britney Spears and I'm going to show people that I retain a certain star quality that they have never encountered before yeah (laughs) I love going to the movies for myself and sitting in like the third row with the screen huge in front of your eyes and nobody telling you uh this is bad for your eyes don't do it uh, i don't like having to look up like this uh. and i love sitting there in the middle and putting snickers into my popcorn and eating it and laughing maniacally to myself i love all of it but it's also just at the same time hard to shake a sense of emptiness or flatness without somebody to feel so much for and I think actually up until a certain point what I wanted wasn't even ever a relationship was but was a you know just the next person to have an intense crush over the next person to be stalking online and to have like them 
message you and for your heart to flare up and for you to literally start sweating buckets at the idea of running into them and just feeling all this stuff that you know and most of it is just a creation of your own imagination and all the things that you project onto this person but it feels like you're living in another world it feels like you just have been shut up into space and are experiencing life at like 300 times the speed and intensity and wonder and it's only recently that now I'm thinking well actually what I want is a relationship and I don't even really want all the highs and lows I just want somebody that I can have genuine uninhibited fun with and somebody that I'm like atrociously attracted to that I just want to be kissing and touching all the time and somebody who makes me feel really good and safe and protected and acts as that rock in my life who accepts me maybe for the things that I still have a hard time accepting myself for and who makes me feel like I'm never too much and who tells me to go for things even if I'm nervous to and yeah I guess just I guess it's only recently that I started craving a support system and like genuine intimacy. I just think that should be retired as a statement to give people who are trying to move forward. Because the thing is, most of us or all of us are experiencing life alone 99% of the time anyways. And like whether we like to or not, we do. And on some days we do it so well and on some days it's the hardest thing ever and i feel like as people most of us are just kind of oscillating between those two stages the way things oftentimes work for me is that i go maybe like two weeks feeling so alive and grateful that i am alone and that there's nobody else that i have to really think about so much and weigh in on my decisions and take care of and nobody to influence all the little things that I do in my in my everyday life and it just feels like this as though the world is my oyster and that it's awesome but there are other times I guess after the those couple of weeks that I crash and it feels as though I burned through all of that and I guess those are the moments when I the idea of being alone feels so heavy and like something that I I can I guess almost like not even bear and (laughs) when I really allow myself to sink into those feelings and you know indulge in these anxieties of well what if what if things always feel this way that's when things feel really dark for me I guess if anything my issue is that I have been putting so much on romantic relationships and on men and like all that they're able to or meant to make me feel and the truth is when you load something up with so many expectations it's always likely going to disappoint and you're just setting yourself up for doom so I'm trying to step out of that and so that's why actually even though I'm still wrapped up been missing my former lover and the intimacy that we had I do think there's a lot of value in going on dates and meeting different people and being reminded of all like the charming 
wonderful, uh, attractive things about men and also about all the, like, awful, really just, oh my gosh, awful things about them too. And also all the stuff in the middle and just learning more about myself in terms of, like, what parts of me come out with who and what I like to come out and what I don't. And so I'm in this weird purgatory stage, I guess. And maybe that's what dating is for most people, like purgatory, until you meet that next person who sparks things for you. And I'm learning that I'm, you know, I'm quite comfortable actually with this weird purgatory stage because whether I like it or not, I'm not ready to fully move forward and I'm not ready for that next big person. So even if I meet somebody so fabulous that I think oh my gosh this is the one I think I my sense of grief would just be amplified because I don't know the kind of relationship that I'm grieving is the kind where I at one point had had been convinced that this is the person who I'm going to potentially spend the rest of my life with and somebody that I would want to have children with and somebody that I envision being a great dad and somebody that like makes me feel so safe when things are good and it's really hard to let go of all that that's I guess part of the issue that I've had with going on dates where I've been meeting guys I really like actually and who I think are really smart and kind and interesting and that I feel like I'm connecting with so well verbally they make me feel things and they make me feel something good for example or you know we get more intimate whether it's emotionally or physically and then suddenly that's when the cement wall comes in and it feels like I've almost been punched in the gut with all this deja vu from that relationship and like knowing that I I felt this way before, but I have felt this way with this person who's no longer here that I have to let go of. And I guess it almost brings about this sense of genuine panic that makes me shut down. And so, you know, I think I'm all right with that because this is the way things go, and I guess I'm just learning to let go and be... I'll write with things sometimes, even if they're not, even if I'm not getting everything that I want. And I guess one part that's turning out a little bit more frustrating than the others is the desire to be physical with people and, you know, like wanting to have sex and wanting all the thrills that go into that, like going over to someone's apartment and the like flirting and the foreplay and the undressing and the cuddling and the like awkward moments and the privacy of knowing like that nobody else really has to know that you just slept with someone except for yourself like all there's so much pleasure in all of that that's a bit difficult to completely substitute with masturbation because of course you can get yourself there physically and maybe sometimes even more so than with a partner but it's not just about the physical stuff at all and I mean in my own experience sex has rarely even been about physical pleasure so much like I think partially because 
as a young woman in my 20s, I'm still learning a lot about physical pleasure in terms of sex and like how to make the most of it and how to, well, honestly, to just be having sex that feels good and that feels as incredible as like I know it can feel, but that it's been hard to really like get myself there. And so I think part of like my learning experience has been to understand that it's taking a while and then that's okay. And I guess maybe the fact that sex hasn't always felt as physically good as I know it can has probably built the stakes of all those other tiny pleasures higher. And so when I'm actually craving physical intimacy, it's rarely that I'm craving an orgasm as also as a young woman in her 20s who's still getting to know her own body that can be hard to come by unfortunately and if I just wanted that that would actually be very simple because whoever's making vibrators these days I'm just gonna tell you good job awesome job you're you know (laughs) you're getting the job done and so at this time in my life well I'm only 20 and I'm I don't know I guess was a maybe later bloomer in some ways and I'm still getting to know my body and really struggling to do that at times and also really struggling with communication and asking for what I want when I want it and all that stuff like because of that the pleasure that I find in sex isn't really even about the sex and not about like the physical climax of things it's more about all those tiny subtle forms of pleasure and like all the stuff that comes before like meeting somebody for the first time and realizing that you're sexually attracted to them and that you that they have this almost like uncontrollable effect on your body and them leaning in when you like first meet them and you smelling them and thinking oh my god why do you smell this good or having like this really exciting expansive non-stop conversation with somebody over drinks and gradually realizing they asked you to come home with them then perhaps you would not be opposed because they are stimulating your brain and the brain is one big sexy organ organ <laughs> organ entering the wilderness of a man's apartment for the first time Oh my gosh, and that feeling of butterflies and like also awful nerves and that really strange period of time where you know things are going to happen, but they're not happening yet and it's somewhat awkward, but also exciting and just your heart's beating in your chest and you don't know exactly what to do with yourself and if you're going to make the first move or they're going to make the first move and how it's all going to go down and even the simple act of like getting undressed with and in front of somebody else and having someone witness your body expressing the side of you that doesn't really come out in any other part of your life having this access to somebody else's body in a way that you never do in your everyday life and you know being surprised by the things somebody else does and surprising yourself with what you do like Oh my gosh, all of that stuff is just so fun. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's just fun. And so that's a bit of an 
an issue actually within my dating life because I really want to be physically intimate, but I cannot, as it turns out, that each time that I try, I feel like there is a parasitic, demonic, cancerous presence in my body that forces me to be overcome with these intense visceral flashbacks of my former lover. And I don't know how to navigate that, really. You know, where I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going awesome. I'm in his apartment. He didn't kill me. The kissing is going great. And then somebody tries to turn the next page over and, you know, leave the PG-rated area of, of the night. And that's where I freeze. And I cannot go on. And I retract into myself and also leave immediately. And it's not because anybody's doing anything bad at all. It's just because I'm struck with such intense flashbacks, literal flashbacks, like the kinds that you see in movies where suddenly it cuts to like a montage of all like those times together. Like that's what I'm hit with if anybody tries to have sex with me, I guess. Yeah, like (laughs) it turns out that now so many things that I just don't really sexual at all have turned into one big foreplay where I feel like a delicious little tart stretching down the streets of New York City and like constantly, I guess, turned on by certain things. And something I've been thinking a lot about, I don't know why recently, is just the simple image of a man, of his a man's hands peeling a mango. And I actually, I, I don't know, it's not really about the mango or no no it is about the mango maybe it's a lot more about the mango well it's the combination of the man's hands and the mango and him peeling it with like one of those swiss army picket picket pocket knives slowly and like turning it in his hand and the combination of like the mango skin being so thin and it's like flesh being so bright and wet and juicy and oh my gosh I don't know why it's like that's like the most pornographic image I can come up with right now and I don't know why (laughs) isn't that crazy yeah and then I guess like more regular things like when men are laughing on the while talking on the phone on the sidewalk at like at night and outside of a restaurant oh my gosh I love it I just think it's so sexy like them being wrapped up in their own little world and looking good while they do it and me wondering, oh my gosh, I wonder what he's laughing about. That's just, yeah, it gets me going too. And definitely just hands on a steering wheel. Oh my gosh. Though I don't really know why because I live in New York City and I don't, well, first of all, I don't really have many male friends at all. And secondly, I definitely don't have male friends who drive me around in cars. Well, I guess perhaps... My Uber drivers, their hands are on steering wheels, but I don't allow myself to fantasize over them because they are forbidden fruit, and we must keep our relationship strictly professional. I just, I'm not going to use the word, I'm not, I'm not going to use it. I have a terrible disdain for the word. Uh, I'm not, I can't even say it. Okay, I'll say it once, but it'll be the only time. I have a disdain for the word horny, 
<laughs> I don't like it. I don't know why. I don't I don't know why actually. But because of that, I'm going to establish a different kind of vocabulary. And I'm going to say hot and heavy or all sexed up instead, you know, because I do not want to be saying that that the one who shall not be named. But yeah, I just the reason why I'm you know, making myself go to ballet and make these podcasts and film TikToks is also just because I'm so ripe, oh, like that mango, with sexual energy. And I'm so hot and heavy and all sexed up, like, a lot of the time. But I guess not really with the appropriate outlet, because the demon of my former lover is, I guess, making it impossible possible to <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know where to where to source an exorcism for that kind of demon also make sure you do not tell anybody about this because if the world finds out that i'm feral with the rampaging horniness oh <laughs> yeah oh that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i'm someone who i guess really enjoys talking about sex and writing about sex and I've realized that when you talk and write about sex especially when you do so publicly and especially when you do so online people form and come away with certain assumptions about you and about your own relationship to sex one of them for sure is firstly that I'm incredibly sexual and that I have had an impressive buffet of sexual partners in my lifetime. And you know, I wish that was the case because I think that is a rather intimidating, hot achievement to have up on your trophy wall. But that is not exactly the case, but it's also all in relative terms. I don't actually think I am that way. Like, I'm not the kind of girl who, like, asserts her sexuality in her own life and who, you know, goes after those orgasms and gets them and doesn't look back. Again, I wish that would be awesome. But no, I'm kind of I'm kind of shy. And I think a lot of people don't really believe me when I say this, but I'm shy in a lot of areas in my life. And I've become much more well, first of all, I think socially anxious in the past few years of my life um but also like definitely rather introverted um and like my least favorite thing i've realized these days is to to talk to people anywhere where it's really loud because i realize when i'm yelling whatever i'm saying i just don't feel like myself at all i feel like all my words are coming out so wrong and i don't even recognize my voice and it all just sounds like garbage so I hate it, which is not great because this is New York City after all, and um, most of my social interactions, I guess, have to occur in loud places. Yeah, I'm I'm a shy, shy girl, and people probably don't think I am, especially if they see my social media presence because I'm a big freak on it, and position myself probably as like a strange, loud, possibly raging narcissist, 
but like I don't know also just like a weirdo kind of girl and <laughs> I don't know maybe that's the way some people see me maybe that's not the way some people see me who knows and so I think people assume that I'm, I'm not shy because you know I post all these crazy things and I say all these crazy things and I dance all these crazy dances on my stories but in my everyday life like I get so nervous about a lot of things I get really in my head I I am shy actually I'm pre- quite shy I think with men these days though I don't I never know how to gauge it because if anything I don't really cel- celebrate I mean I don't really spend much time with men outside of dates like I don't casually hang out with men and I wish I did but I don't really know how to find them you know I don't know I can't really knock at like the soccer team's door and be like hello greetings gentlemen let's acquaint ourselves with each other and I think it definitely comes out in physical intimacy because over the past few years I've realized that intimacy is something I have struggled with A big part of it is because communication is not always what comes naturally to me. Like, I know that when I'm feeling really low, for example, I tend to retreat into myself or um, I, in my personal relationships, I don't really like conflict at all. And sometimes I just say whatever I feel like should be said in order to make things better, even if, even when I shouldn't. And I'm trying to like shake that habit um and yeah and then I guess like intimacy and the idea of having no control over how somebody is seeing you and all those fears about me being too much and too weird and too crazy and too whatever like really bubble up and sex like physical intimacy is just oh my gosh a combination of all those things of somebody is seeing me naked And I don't know, sometimes I like the way I look naked and sometimes I don't like the way I look naked. And experiencing pleasure in front of somebody else is also so intimate because you, I mean, I guess the very fun of it is that you like lose control of yourself, but that's also so terrifying. And then the communication aspect of it, oh my gosh, is something that like I'm finally growing more comfortable with but when I first started having sex was really difficult for me and I realized something that gets in the way of my ability to communicate sometimes is I get in my head about like what how the other person sees me and what they expect of me like what do they expect me to want and to say that turning out different actually to what they think of me really makes me nervous I think it, it almost makes me feel like I'm put on the stage and like a spotlight is being shined on me and, and as though there might be either judgment or like too much attention paid to the fact that I'm different than what they thought that I was what's interesting is that I also I feel like I've become more shy talking about sex recently than I used to be it's funny because when I think about high school um, I really wonder in general, first of all, like, what people thought of me and the idea of seeing people who knew me in high school again, I find so fabulously intriguing because I think I'm very different, or at least maybe I I hope I'm very different, and I feel like 
if anything, a version of me has literally died in the past few years. In high school, when I was 16, 17 years old, I, I felt as though talking about sex was almost an important part of, of who I was. And I thought it was important to teach sex ed and to like get on birth control really early. And I don't know, also like exude a kind of more sexually assertive, expressive persona. I don't know what people thought of me because I mean, I wasn't having sex at all. Like what I was doing mostly during high school was eating a lot of Thai food in my room and learning that I have some mental health issues. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there was not sex at all going on and I didn't do anything below the belt until after high school. And so I really do wonder where that need to have talked about it and like expressed myself in this more sexual way came from. And I think a part of it is likely, you know, things to do with power and desirability and being desirable is something that has always been so important to me, consciously and unconsciously. The idea of being desirable and the idea of being sexual probably started to come together and blur for me. Yeah, and I remember talking to one of my friends actually a few months ago about how I feel like men treat and react to me very differently now than they did my freshman year in college, for example. I was talking about how like it feels as though I'm actually flirted with less and I'm approached less and it has gotten into my head a bit because I think, oh my gosh, am I just like regressing in like my appearance and in my desirability? But then what I realized is that like the way that I would express myself my freshman year in college was so different. I have grown a bit more timid in my interactions with men and like, I don't even really remember exactly how to flirt in like <laughs> an audacious way. And I, I don't really dress the way that I used to. And I don't frequent like, I don't know, bars for example. So I guess thinking about like whether I, I was more easily desirable at some point than I am now definitely like plays mind games with me and is forcing me to reconfigure what it means to be desirable for myself and <laughs> how to like build that without basing it so much on the way that on the way that men receive me yeah, and like something that someone once asked me is like, how can you be so outwardly vocal about sex and express yourself in a way that sets you up as such a sexual and almost like, um, like sexually audacious person while also like being really timid and like <laughs> shy and un unsure of yourself in the, within the privacy of the bedroom. And I don't know, I thought it was a bit of a an absurd question actually because to me it feels so obvious that like your public self and your private self are going to be naturally different. Physical intimacy with someone whose opinion matters to you is worlds away, nearly like oppositional to what you put out on the internet. And maybe that's not an absurd question to some, maybe it's just me and the fact that like for whatever reason I've always found it really easy to 
be whatever way I please and like this before a huge audience of people but when it comes to like that one person I actually really struggle with intimacy and get really scared about it yeah and I think at the end of the day one of the reasons why I'm so preoccupied with wanting to be intimate with and to love and like be naked with somebody is that there are sides to me that come out in that context that I don't really see in any other part of my life and I think if anything that's a a special thing and like what makes intimacy intimacy of course I'm going to be different on the internet than with somebody that I'm falling in love with and I would hope so I, I want that to be the case I want to be somebody with all these different sides of me that like don't really always make sense and might fight against each other because I think most people are like that and that that's what makes our favorite people our favorite people the fact that like they're contradictory and don't really make sense and that you can't quite put them in one single box but ha thought you had me all figured out garçon well you don't because I'm shy in bed <laughs> kidding <laughs> okay we have come to the end of today's episode there's no journal today but I thought I'd read out one of my favorite short poems to frame myself as literary and poetically melancholy in a beautiful longed for way <laughs> okay here we go this poem is called in the new year by natasha rao sun on my face and the train slips into the tunnel dim reflection confronts perhaps i am lacking in something substantial like iron or virtue how easy it is to hurt someone how hard to face what comes after my face strangely lit in the bathroom mirror Surrounded by friends, I felt a queasy aloneness. Didn't know whose lap to cry into. Someone spat out an olive pit. Someone tore streamers off the wall. I distorted through the stemmed glass. Already exhausted in this angular year, where I hover like a stranger to my own life. No resolution in any of it. And to finish things off, we have our three songs that we have been listening to. The first one is Cross Your Mind by Niall Horan. Niall, Niall Horan. I love this song because it's making me feel like a sexy, powerful lady when I strut down the street and makes me think, oh, perhaps there's hope and perhaps one day a young man will sing this to me too. And his lyrics, they go, it's your world I want to live in. It's your ocean I want to swim in. It's your show, and I'm just watching. Losing you is not an option. And if I've ever heard poetry, that is what poetry is. And that is what I hope a man will one day profess to me. Okay, next song is, oh, surprise, also by Niall Horan. Small talk, because it's a really sexy song, actually, and helps me navigate some of that some of that hot and heavy sex dawn energy going on in my body and it's basically just a song where he's talking about how they should skip the small talk and get to it and that's hot and the last song is lift you up by leon 
And I love Leo, and I think she's incredible. And also, I think if you're going through a breakup, that she is going to be your saving grace because her lyrics are so beautifully written and just are really honest and raw. And this song, Lift You Up, feels like a big hug. Or no, it feels like crowd surfing, but in a crowd that really loves you and wants to protect you. Yeah. (laughs) I realize it's really hard for me to find anybody to have sex with because after having sex with someone that I love, the physical intimacy falls flat without that emotional intimacy and like, um, I don't know, I guess I've just grown very turned on by the idea that somebody really knows me and cares for me and like wants to be not just having sex but specifically having sex with me. So doing it with somebody that I don't love and who doesn't love me is like, I don't know, just not as fun I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and on that note, thank you so much for listening today. You've been listening to Intimacies by Daria, by Daria, and I'll talk to you soon.